Yo, and welcome to the 57th episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I am your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by a very special temporary guest host. Joining us for the very first time is the runner-up at the recent European International Championships. We have the one and only Frank Persick. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Hope you're going all right, too. Very special. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I We appreciate having you. I know, I assume you got, like, your inbox flooded with people saying, hey, can we talk to you about this? A little bit, but I'm... I'm Anyone that wants to get a video or, or you know, a podcast in, I, the community has been, like, so supportive that, you know, that's the least I can do to give back. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm happy to, to be here, like, a lot. We appreciate it. We appreciate you taking your time out on a Saturday, too. So uh, we're going to get to know Frank a little bit with these rapid strike questions coming up here shortly. Then we're going to talk about how he metagamed the deck, how he came up with it, how he chose it, etc. And then we're going to talk about the tournament run and how everything went at EUIC. So, Frank, remember these rapid strike questions. I'm going to ask you as many as I can. I've got 20, but we'll see how many you can get. You'll have 60 seconds to answer them with no explanation, just straight off the dome. I mean, I'm going to be bad at this, but I'll do my best. <laughs> For what it's worth, uh, you cannot possibly be worse than Alex, who Alex Cook, who got six okay, questions. Okay. So I, you'll be fine. You will I not can, be I can the try worst. And get seven. I, can get seven. <laughs> I think you can get seven. All right. Question number one: Do you prefer winter or summer? Um, sorry. What's your favorite snack? Um, pass. Come back. <laughs> Favorite grass type Pokemon. Um. Mm, Lorantis. Favorite deck you've ever played. Um. Still expanded Sylveon GX. Would you rather be late or be early? Um, early. How do you like your steak cooked? Um, perfect medium rare. What color sleeves do you use? Um, whichever ones are the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite emoji to use? Um, I like the upside down smiley face. Cats or dogs? Um, neither. Toppings on your perfect pizza. Um, oh, pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Juniper, sycamore, oak, rowan, or magnolia? Um... For the artwork of the card, Rowan. For the professor itself, um, Oak. All right, and that is time. So you did do better than six. You got 11 of them. Nice. So you said pineapple, which is fine. I am pro pineapple. This is a pro pineapple on pizza podcast. But uh, is there nothing else on the pizza? (laughs) No, I like a good, like, whatever else comes on. Sometimes I'll get with chicken, or sometimes it'll be, like, bacon, pineapple, or ham. I like ham, pineapple. I like a Hawaiian pizza. I think they're really good. Underrated. I love, like, pineapple's one of my favorite foods in general. Like, I get pineapple, like, on a lot of stuff. Um, Like, if you go to, there's this place in Ohio called Hothead Burritos. It's really good. And you can get pineapple on your burrito. It's, like, a Chipotle style. Kind of just make your own and get pineapple on that. There's this, like, little bowl place at my work that serves, like, um like poke bowls and like chicken teriyaki bowls and stuff like that. I get a ton of pineapple on that. So um big pineapple fan. So absolutely put it on pizza. So you heard it here first. Next event you see Frank at, bring him pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also got to go back to the cats or dogs. You said neither. That's fine. But does that mean zero pets ever? Or were you an other person there? So I'm allergic to both cats and dogs. I'm allergic to anything with fur, really. But um, I do have two pet snakes at home that my fiance and I have. Oh, cool. What type? Yeah. I have one ball python and a tree python. Sick. I've been wanting. Yes, I've been wanting to get snakes at some point. They're so much fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, they're they're super 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 cool. I'll um I've been meaning to post like more pictures on social media of the pets because they're they're adorable and like I I was in like you know I was I I thought it would be cool to have a snake but like and I was like kind of like lousy about it but then when we actually got it I was just like fell in love with it. It's so cute and I was not <laughs> expecting to like enjoy it as much as I do. They're they're great pets honestly. They're super chill and you can just like sometimes I'll be playing on my computer. I'll be on PTCGO 
I have like a hoodie on. You can just like put them in the pocket and holy chill out and just hang around. And it's like, <laughs> I love that. And then to get into the Pokemon one, the one more I wanted elaboration on. Sylveon GX in Expanded is the favorite deck you've ever played. Yeah, so it was Salt Lake City Regionals 2018. Um, it was an expanded tournament, and um, Zoro Eggs was like the really popular deck with like Hex Maniac and stuff. Um, and I uh, I brought Sylveon GX that turn. I bubbled ninth. I was like the one person that bubbled out with like 31 or points or however many you needed to get into top eight. Um, but that was like the most fun I think I've ever had at a tournament. It was just like searching my deck for I think what did they search your deck for three cards, two cards? What's Sylveon do? Oh gosh, I, I should know this. Search your deck for two cards. I should know this as well. Oh uh, yeah, because Steven's resolve was three, right? So Sylveon was probably two because yeah. I don't think they were the same effect. Yeah, and it was it was just like so much fun to just like you know you'd have to think like super hard like the perfect two cards to grab and you have only have like a certain amount of time to do it and you had to figure out what your opponent was going to do and so you'd just like you know uh, enhanced hammer max potion attach fairy energy and like figure out the rest of your deck and there's the cool um, um, that attack that you can do that puts two of your opponent's bench Pokemon back in their hand so yeah the GX yeah, attack amazing. Yeah, I had one of the, my my favorite game that I've ever played. Like my most my favorite game of Pokemon ever was against Michael Pramalot at that tournament. He was playing um, Buzzwool um, GX with I can't remember what he paired it with because um, it was expanded. But that was that was such a, a fun matchup because like you really had to like you know be vigilant with your hammers and they played you had to like trap them in the active, but they played like a um, a uh, um scramble switch and you had to like like there were plays you'd do where you'd have to like they would build up their energy and then you would boss uh bosses or well lysander at the time and then you know return all the energy to their hand with your with your uh, gx attack and um and then skull grant them the next turn it was like it was such a methodical experience and i just felt like i was playing like 14 rounds of just like really intense like you know um mentally stimulating pokemon which was like super super fun so is this your way of telling us that the next thing you're going to break is Metagross VMAX? No, no, I tried. Listen, I tried that <laughs> card. I thought that was super cool. Um, but it, just like them, if they like escape rope you or boss around you and just like break your, your meteor smash lock, it's just like super annoying. But I, I tried it for sure. <laughs> if you could rapid strike energy, you could be metal. I think it'd be good, but it's too much. It's a, it's a cool card. I think just about everyone who had ever touched Sylveon before or played against it saw that card and was like, there's got to be something here, right? Like, it's Sylveon with more yeah, HP was, that hits harder. I was really excited for Togekiss as well, too. And that was one that I, I think it's not quite there yet. It's got a lot of stuff going for it. Um, but yeah, I like those style of decks where you just, like, you know, do deck search. And, like, you you know, you Steven's Resolve for three cards or what, we don't have you. And then you just, like, figure out um, the perfect hand or, like, the perfect way to, like, combat your opponent's strategy. And it's, like, so much fun. So I have a question off of that, but that's going to lead into the next topic. So I want to like officially say, so we're going to talk a little bit about how you got into the deck, how you picked Whimsicott, how you did all that stuff. And the very first thing I want to say then, based off of your just saying you like deck searching, like stuff like that. How did you come up with the B-Barrel engine over Inteleon? Because you're describing the Inteleon engine perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, the Intellion, I actually had a list with the Intellion engine in it. Um, I, um, I, mean, I can even pull it up for you if you want. I don't, I don't know if we're on, <laughs> we're on, uh, on video, but it, it basically yeah. had been uh, the Whimsicott deck with Intellion instead of B-Barrel. And it was nice because you could search your deck for like Raihan at the perfect time, which was like a really big problem that the B-Barrel version had, is that you'd never hit at the right time. But I think just the space was, like, a big issue. Just fitting, you know, uh, ten cards instead of, like, four or five um, was just, like, really troublesome for the deck. And um, and I think the Intellions got in the way a little bit. Like, the point of the deck is you really just want to get a Whimsicott with an energy down, turn one, and then turn two, and then just attack. And it's, it's such a simple strategy that I think the Intellion engine like just overcomplicated it a bit. Mm-hmm. And in my games with it, it just like never it was it just wasn't as good like in testing. It's definitely something I considered though for sure. 
So how'd you come up with Whimsicott in general? Because this is a V-Star that... Because I bought them pre-EUIC because I was like, well, I'm just going to buy everything cheap, right? It was like three bucks for the V-Star. Yeah. <laughs> it's bulk, right? So how did you come up with this bulk card as something you're going to bring to the largest tournament we've had in two years? Yeah. Um, so I uh, I knew that... So when I go into a tournament, if I'm trying to like metagame really hard or like you know come up with something like a little unique or figure out some sort of strategy to beat everything, which is like impossible to like your deck can't beat everything for the most part. You have to take losses somewhere. But I knew that I really wanted to exploit the special energy um, reliance of the format. And so the first deck I had worked with was like RC's B drill. I kind of conceptualized that and put a list together that Michael Slitsky and I played at the full grip like two K. Um, and this was the one with the like, flygon, right? Yeah, it was the one with the flygon and the um, and the chromomatics um, um, and stuff like that. Um, and so we had put that together, and it was really good, obviously, to just like one shot things with like special energy. But um, I really didn't like, you know, exactly where the deck was. And I mean, it did well, and it got like ninth in um, Salt Lake City as well with Santa Conda, and so. I've been messing with that a little bit, but I, I wasn't 100% confident in it. It had some consistency issues, and I think um, it had struggled a little bit with the Arkantelian decks. With the, um... So mm-hmm. I um, started out like playing like Duralin was a card that I wanted to explore a little bit more. And um, the other thing I was really interested in was healing. So decks that can like, abuse Cheryl, I think, are really good because it's just like a kind of a two-shot metagame. For the you know, and um, so those are things I explored. So I played that. I played a little bit of Rapid Strike Italian, and then I always look at online tournament results. I really think um, just get having like a a working idea of like what are what decks are people playing, how popular they are, what are they doing well against, like what cards are they including. Like I always every day almost I'm on playlists. They're seeing like what did well, and there was this Whimsicott deck that won. <laughs> <laughs> like no way i was like no and i had sent it to a group chat of the hotel room that i was staying in and we were all like in a group chat together and i was like did you guys see that whimsicott won a tournament and everyone's like ah oh, it's a fluke like that's just, you know <laughs> that's silly like no you know it's an online tournament don't take it seriously. you know and um it had kept popping up a little bit um and it was like this kind of like same list I think it was popular in Toronto. I've been told that Thomas Harvey is a player that that made the deck. I don't know exactly how it came about, but that's just what I've been made aware of. So, if my information's incorrect, excuse me, but that's just like what I, from my understanding, that's the name I've and, heard too. I don't know if he did yeah. that, but that's the name I see when I look on Limitless with Whimsicott next to it. Yeah, I know that they really like the deck and they play it a lot, but I, I'm not sure if they were like the first person to kind of put the initial list together. But it was like a similar list. It was like a three barrel, and they played big. Or they didn't play any tools. They played two air balloon. That's it. And it was like four hammer, four fan, two Rihon. Um and it was like a pretty straightforward list. And so, um, one person I was testing with, because really, like even my hotel room, like everyone was always so busy, like to test. And so I was hitting up people, like going to the tournament, like outside of our hotel room, and. One of them was um, Cyrus Davis, and they and I would test like pretty frequently. Actually, they got off work at like 11 p.m. EST, and we would Ooh. test from like 11 to like 2 a.m. <laughs> um, what? And then I would go into work at like nine the next morning, which was like I definitely am finally back up on sleep. But I was like, no, for a little while. But like, <laughs> that's dedication. Yeah, and so they had. I had seen. We'd been testing a little bit. Um, I think we were working on like Rapid Strike and Telling together and some other stuff. And they had won or got second at a tournament with Whimsicott like a day or two after I had seen the list and had been a little interested in it. Mm-hmm. And so I had messaged them, and I was like, Whimsicott? <laughs> and they were like, yeah! And I was like, okay, like here we go. And so I, I had put something together. I would ran some games on ladder with it. And um, I thought it was super awesome. Um, and so we just, from then on, like played a bunch of games individually, um, tried to like figure out really like what was um, the optimal inclusions or like what needed cut from the list and stuff like that. And eventually like certain things made their way in. Um, the Crobat was really the first thing. It was probably the most important because um, you really want that turn one attachment. You really you need that extra kind of oomph to like get the deck going because you would you were a little too slow. 
And so I put the crowbat in. That was like really the first inclusion. And then um Can I ask with... about the crowbat real quick since you're on it? Um yeah, yeah. What about it? Uh so this is something that I'm always curious about because so many decks are like, oh, a turn one crowbat or a turn one Luminion. You can't support a turn one, so it's worse. But like you're like, oh, I, it's really good for consistency, but also you never want to bench it because it just opens up a potential loss condition. So how did you kind of rectify that? Was like, did you feel like you would just beat everything if you got the turn one ready to go? Or was the crowbat ever a liability that you were kind of hesitant on? Um sometimes it was a liability. Usually it wasn't though. I I think the the theory of the deck, and this is also why a lot of people were asking about Choice Belt. I didn't want to include Choice Belt. It fixes some good math. It lets you two-shot Mew. It lets you two-shot Jolteon. It lets you um, two-shot Duraludon. Um, but in theory, right, if you're locking them out of their energy attachments or just like, preventing them from attacking, it doesn't matter how many times you have to hit them. or It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And so the Crobat being on the bench like really wasn't a liability because I'm just like locking them out of attacking anyway, or I'm just like slowing them down so much that it it, it doesn't really matter if they take this easy two prizer. Um, if you can just get a Whimsicott up and attacking and, and kind of get going, like it, 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 it's not as big of a liability. Starting it annoying. Uh, <laughs> but it only happened like two or three times during the tournament. All of them on stream um, in front of everybody, which is super cool. Um, but other than that. Um, it was like a really great inclusion for the deck. I was initially worried because you played Path of the Peak, but obviously, just if you put it down before you path, you really just needed like an extra like four or five cards to like make sure you get your Bidoof down, make sure you get the end because you need the turn two, but barrel is super important, or mm-hmm. the deck just like has no um, inherent draw and it's it's too slow. And then the turn one energy attachment is super important. So you need like both of those things down. And also against Mew going first. You needed to get at least two Pokemon, three three Pokemon down, like two on your bench, so they can like rope and take your energy off your Whimsicott. And so, like having the Crobat down is actually really good in that matchup as well. So it it just made like a ton of sense to go in there, and it was it was exactly what the deck needed. It really gave it like the right amount of gas to 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 take it up, you know another notch, and then. Um, from there, I was just playing games, working on different counts of like supporters, and you know what we're gonna cut. The tool scrapper came in because you could you can't really be jolting without tool scrapper, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't play any. Um, but just getting once you get rid of their elemental badge and like because they would get the elemental badge before you got the lockdown, and they would just beat you. But if you scrappered off their elemental badge, like as you're attacking them, they could they have three basic energies and they need two of them, and you can just hammer them off, and it was like impossible for them to beat you. So the matchup went from like. 80 20 or 2080 to like 80 20 it was great mm-hmm. um and then so like that those little tests came in just after testing like certain matchups and then um the peony i just kind of threw in there because i mean i had three research and i liked the idea of peony i was like oh you can if you, you have an empty hand you can just draw up to five and a lot of the times and kind of why the crowbat came in for another reason was you would whiff the air balloon uh turn one often on the the barrel because you need to like get it out of the active sometimes if you start it and if like you whiff that it's super annoying because you have to wait another turn to attack and Mew can like boss you up and knock you out and like it, it was just like it was very annoying getting that barrel stuck in the active and so I was like oh you know I research and dig for it but then you know kind of the idea came like well you can just peony for it and then draw up to five and you could peony and I put it in the deck just for that reason and then it just more reasons started opening up and I was like oh wow like in late in the game when I don't need anything and I want to barrel for cards, I can literally just clear my hand and grab two crushing hammer, or I can just you know, against me, I can go a fan path from drop to five. <laughs> it was it was such a great inclusion, and it it was really it functioned just as the third research, but it was just like I'll hit the exact two cards I need and then draw five more rather than just discarding and draw seven. And so, um, you're really selling awesome. me on the peony. <laughs> It's so good. No, I'm telling you, the Peony Barrel engine, just not even in this deck, but just in the rest of the format, like any deck that plays Barrel, like try Peony. It's really good. Because you can even like Peony for Evolution Incense for the Barrel and then draw five. Like, and it's just like, it's a, it's always a draw card for you, which is it's really good, I think, with that card. Is this um, a like try one of, or do you think you want to explore higher counts? Um, it just depends on the deck. One was good for me because what would be happening is like, I would open it in my hand. I'm like, wow, I would wish this was a research. Um, but that only happened like one or two times, really. Like, it, it's just a good kind of like flex card for a research, I think, if, you, if you're if you running a lot of professors' research in your deck and you have a barrel. Um, and then the last card to come in, uh, Cyrus had messaged me, and they're just like, um, 
EXP share, and that was genius because the Raihans, I hated them because that you never hit it at the right time. That's why I kind of moved to the Intel version because I needed you needed to hit the Raihan, Raihan on the right turn, or you would just lose mm-hmm. um, because you couldn't you know keep up tempo. And nobody was really playing Tool Scrapper, and like Tool Jammer didn't even affect it. it you know, it functions from the bench, and it was just like the perfect tool because you weren't really playing. There was like maybe one choice band in the deck or something. Um, then after realizing you didn't need choice band, um, we were just able to cut the Raihans and and cut the choice band for something else and just play these EXP shares, and it was beautiful. It made the deck. It really locked the deck in as like a, a good play. Like that was the last card that was needed. And so after all that came together, probably like a week and a half before the actual tournament started, that the list was like finalized, got all the ball counts correct, you know, four fog crystals, so you have 12 energy outs, turn one. Um, and then just testing the matchups and playing them over and over again, figuring out what to do going first against this deck and going second against this deck. And, you know, after having just like perfect knowledge of like how the matchup would go and my opponent's not having any idea what to do it was just it was a perfect run <laughs> it was it was awesome can i ask about the matchups real quick i know we'll talk about like the actual tournament run but the one i'm always torn on is the mew matchup yeah because it feels well, like you don't lose if you make it past turn two mm-hmm. no that's 100 <laughs> right it's, it's, it, the game is decided very early and if you watch my stream match in round five um you can see how it shouldn't go how you don't want it to go <laughs> but um i played i think five muse or six muse i think i played five muse in the tournament i was four one against me um and so it's if you know what you're doing it's pretty good um and it's pretty simple actually so if you it depends if you go first or second if you go first you want um two whimsicott down and one barrel down and Anything else, so you know, at least that much, or one Bidoof down, or Crobat, or you want at least three Pokemon. And then you either uh, put a Psychic on the active and EXP share on the bench if you can hit it, and then the game you win from there pretty much. Like, the, if you can keep your energy in play for turn, like that's if I have that board state on turn one, I'm like, I've beaten you. Um, or you attach an energy to the bench, um, and then if they knock out your active, you just promote, you know, get DT attack. Or um, you'll have to find the floatstone, mm-hmm. or not floatstone, <laughs> um, um, which is, and that's you know another reason the peony was good is because going first against me. So you just make it so they can't get rid of your energy. Is, is how you go to going first. Going second, you either path Marnie them, and <laughs> they it sticks, which is not you know that's not um, super difficult. Like that's something you can do, or. You get one Whimsicott with an energy, one Whimsicott with a with an EXP share. And between the Crobat and you obviously going second, you can do a supporter for the turn, so you can research for it. Um, it's a little easier to dig for that um, because they can boss now instead of just roping to get rid of your energy. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can keep the energy on the board and then just turn two, attach DCE, evolve Whimsicott, start Fluffball Snaring, um, and then you'll most likely hit one of your three fans or, or four hammers to like, get rid of their energy. Um, it, it should be pretty pretty good to go um with the tool lock too if they if you can if they get the choice belt down you're gonna have to scrap it because what's really important is when they attack your your whimsicott v star even if they play basic energy like i think one basic energy one port isn't even enough um to beat whimsicott sometimes because what's important is once you lock them out of tools and you get rid of their choice belts um and you you can fan the um fusion energies back in so they can't do like a two big 280 uh um mellow auto attack mm-hmm. they they need to hit two of their four power tablets to one shot you and so really you get like two turns of fluffball starting with just the one whimsicott and then um if they can't hit two you usually they'll have to discard one early or they're just going to have trouble finding it especially between your path and, and everything like that and if you avery them and you just disrupt them enough it's really hard for them to take a one shot on a whimsicott and even if they do the second one comes up and then they only have two tablets left and that's if they didn't discard one early and if they prize one and so it, it's actually really favorable um matchup as long as you can get past like you're saying like that first or second turn it's just the math works out like really well perfect it's good to hear my experience is about the same although i think i mean partially the crowbat you're just like selling me on that one too so much because 
like you said, having something to shove on the active for a rope turn is massive. Yeah, no, it it is really it's it's really good inclusion. It, it definitely helped a lot against Mew, and and um, it's really it only the deck needed just that little bit of extra push, and it's yeah, I, I really recommend the Crobat if you haven't tried it. So now you are heading to EUIC. You're ready. You've got this deck. You sound confident now that you've played the tournament, but let's talk about the run. You're sitting down for round one. You're playing what is pretty roguey. Like people know it exists, but like, do they know it exists? How are you feeling heading into round one? Um, I honestly, I was, I was like, I was watching a lot of like YouTube videos leading up to it. I was like, all right, well, how do people feel about the deck? Looking at tournament <laughs> results, are people going to be ready for this? Are they going to know what to do? Are they going to have tested against it? Well, you know, um, but I, honestly, like I, I felt really confident in the deck. We played a couple games the day before, um, and I was just like, I was super sold on it. It just felt super good. And I, I think it's set up like fairly well most games for me. And um, which just can be a struggle sometimes with any deck in this format, really. True. Um, so I, I felt super great. And um, my round one opponent was Kaiwen from Australia, which I was like, oh, man. How does that um, feel? <laughs> I was like, all right, this is I, I figured um, he would be playing Mew. Um and so I'm like, this is this is the test. Like, here's <laughs> we're gonna find out right here. Um, it's actually crazy too. And I, I can talk about my my entire run. Um, Please. Eight of my nine day one opponents all made day two. Ooh, that is running the gauntlet right there. It was <laughs> oh my like gosh. real. Like I had a hard run because like not only that, I had yeah eight of my my nine day one opponents made day two and then even in top eight i had to you know three i national international champions already had to go through and i was like all right this like proves the deck has because it's like not it's uh it was pretty ridiculous um so yeah round one i played kaiwen um playing mew he played no special energy um that was actually a really close series no basic Um, energy i assume no basic energy. Yeah. Okay. I was um, like, this is a cool actually... new mute list. No special energies. Like, what are oh, they no, doing? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all, all special energies. No basic <laughs> energies. Um, and so game one, I think I, um, it was really, really close. I think um, he had chased down a Mew early, and I wasn't able to float the energy. And so um, I had to just keep going. And that's the other thing about the Mew matchup, is you can win six prizes to one. Mm-hmm. Um you get, as long as you get the lock going, uh, it's it, there's almost nothing they can do. So I think um, he had gotten down to like two or one prize, and I had like a damaged whimsicott. I think with like thirty left. It was like really <laughs> close, but I knew like if I could just get the lock going, I I I wouldn't um, I you know I would I would still be able to win. And so I think I made a play. I was like got rid of a bunch of energy, and I either stuck a path or for a turn, or I was able to float an energy with an exp share. But then I just like hit the lock. I got rid of all the energy with like fan and hammer, and mm-hmm. then, um, you know, it was just out of resources and just like couldn't bring it back. Um, and so I won game one like that, uh, super close. I really think he only. Need, I think he. Oh, I know exactly what happened. He was gonna knock me out. He needed one more. He. Had, I think he had three power tabs in deck because he had to get rid of one early, and he played one, and he just needed to hit one power tab to win the game and or else i was going to lock him out for the like the game would be over next turn because i was just lock him out of energy mm-hmm. and it was like cramomatic for the power tab tails um play a bunch of stuff genesect for three um play another ultra ball genesect for three cramomatic tails again genesect <laughs> for three more like whiffs the power tab and i was like no way it was like actually the most unlucky run but then you know with the knockout because they you know they need the two power tab because tools are are locked and then yeah, it was just fan fan um, lock out of special energy out of Elisa's. Nothing they can do. And then so, I think game two, I just like stick path Marnie going second and win um, more a little more convincingly. I think he had a bad hand. Based off the game one in the Mew matchup, how do you know when to scoop that matchup? Um, scooping is over. Like it's it's it's, <laughs> it's uh, you can as long as you have not lost the game, like you can come back for sure it, it might be a little different with like basic energy because they can make like Aliza basic energy plays um later on like even if you get rid of all of their energy 
Um, where I knew he wasn't playing any basic energy, so it was like a little easier to mm-hmm. to, to run it to the the you know as close to the brink as you can. Um, but I, I think the games are fast enough, and I mean it's it's pretty determinate. It's either you get the lock or you don't, and so I, I think players like will know new players at least will like know when to scoop. Um, so you can take the matchup pretty far as long as you're not like super slow with your turns or anything like that. Um, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward like quick uh, game. It's it's determined like pretty early. So you can, yeah, as long as you can still have hope of getting the lock going, like you can, you can drag it out for a while. Um, so that was my round one. Mm-hmm. Round two, I played against a player whose name escapes me. Um, they were from Poland and they were playing um, Arceus Biberal Crobat VMAX with five basic dark and um, capture energies. Mm-hmm. And um, the Arceus matchup is, is fairly simple. Um, they played it super well, though, too. What they were doing is they would charge up a Crobat, and they would poison my Whimsicott and retreat, and then make me knock out one prizers. And so um, all that I really did was I, I would just, like, eat through a couple one prizers. I would get through the, um, you know, either get through an Arceus or get through, like, two or three one prizers, and then I would just charge up a huge Fluffball Star, and then I would Fluffball Star the Crobat for a knockout. <laughs> because um, even if they retreated to the bench, you could just snipe them on the bench. Um, That's such a sick so attack. So good. People were talking about playing with Arceus, and I, you know, Cyrus and I were even like, they had told me, you know, let's try a 1 1 Arceus so we can be more consistent because we were having trouble setting up the deck. Mm-hmm. That was before the Crobat came in and everything. Um, but the Fluffball Star is too good. It was too, con- there were too many matchups that were contingent on Fluffball Star, especially the Arceus matchup, which I can kind of explain a little bit um, as I go more into my rounds. But, um, yeah, it's, it's such a great attack, and it, it lets you like one shot three prizers, or just like win the two shot war because you get a one shot in there in the middle somewhere. Um, and especially with the exp share, you're kind of like conserving energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to beat that. I think I won game one, and then lost. I think I just like couldn't get anything going, and they they really just got a strong setup. And then you know game two just executed the strategy, hit some good hammer. They only have five basic energy, um, even with training court and stuff. Like if you knock off the energy and then are locking out their special energy and they can't really um, get to attacking, it's just like too strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty straightforward. Um, round three, I played Piper Lapine. Lapine, I'm sorry if I say that incorrectly. Um, playing this Malamar Vmax, which was streamed on the second day. Yeah, all of these players in day two so far. <laughs> um, I was like with a one loss for like most of them, which was crazy to me. Um, and so the ma- that was actually an easier matchup than I had thought initially because the, um, her deck specifically was like super reliant on um, Luminion and Crobat. And so what you could could really do was you would you know hit the Arceus. Um, take two prizes there. Sometimes you take a, a one prizer in between, and then um, you can kind of just like boss the Luminion or end the game on like an easy fluffball star on a Crobat. Sometimes, like I think the first game I didn't even attack a Malamar, mm-hmm. and then obviously with the Barrel, um, if you can get it out, like your hand isn't really disrupted as much as they would like it to be. Um, yeah, the Max Jammer doesn't really work when you just draw more cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you kind of like trade two shots with them and just um oftentimes you can attack first. Um and so that matchup with with the Luminion and stuff like and that it was um a little easier to take two prizes for one attack that they could really not do that to you. And so you just got ahead in the prize trade even if you win second. Um so game one I won. Game two, I um I lost. I bossed up a Luminion and hit it for 160. And that was my last boss. And I was just like hoping that she wasn't able to retreat it because that's kind of how I mapped up my prizes as I was going to hit that. And then just like Fluffball Star of Malamar VMAX for game. Um, but they were able to treat it and then they retreat it. And there's 160 damage sitting on that Luminion all game, which was just like a wasted attack. Um, that's such a feels bad. It was a risky play that I made. It's probably incorrect, but I, so I lost game two like that, and then game three I just got going really, really quick and got the attacks out there and just won the prize trade. Um, then round four I played against um, an American player whose name escapes me. I apologize. Um, and they were playing Lucario Arceus, which was like that was a great matchup because Lucario obviously 
gets one shot by Whimsicott, and they're super reliant on their double turbo. So that was just like a that was like a, a really favorable matchup, and so I was pretty straightforward. Um, then got a lunch weakness. break. Yes, oh, so good. <laughs> I was hoping I hit a Lucario. <laughs> I couldn't believe I actually did. Um, then we had a lunch break. Then I played Gabe on stream round five. Got absolutely demolished. Uh, you can go watch that if you want on Twitch or YouTube, and it's it's bad. I just like drew absolutely terrible, and I just I made some misplays. I think I was like, a little nervous. Um, but I, I I committed the energy to the active like too much, and I was just like expecting the escape rope like I, I attached the active and then like tried to hit the exp share where i probably should have just attached it to bench just in case um because I, I don't know i was afraid i would like hit the with the um balloons i was trying to like get the exp share instead and just try to keep the energy to play a bit um it was just bad all around um, have you gone so back lost, to watch the game it sounds like um no it's just burned in my brain um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I, it was bad. I don't even want to watch it. I just now I got <laughs> mollywopped. Um. So then I'm at four one, and so then I play against a um four one. What did I play after that to go five one? I think I played against a another Mew, and um, it was Kim Pobega from Italy. Mm-hmm. I think that was my round round six. Um, I could be wrong. That might have been my round nine. I just I know I played against another Mew. Mm-hmm. Um, and all they the had played just blend the, together. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> they had played. They either played one special energy. I know they played Tower of Darkness. Um, I think it was an Italian player. Um, but uh, same thing. Like pretty straightforward. I just got like amazingly set up both games. I think I two would My bricked like path. Marnie bricked them turn two. Um, just drew like a- absolutely phenomenally, um, and so that kind of went how the first round went. Um, and then the next, so I'm six one, or no, I'm f- I'm five one, no six one, yeah, sorry, six one. Then I hit um Pablo, um, shout out Tablemon. Yeah, I'm so yeah. No, I'm five one after that because that was my round six. So then I hit um, Nico Alabas. Sorry, playing <laughs> Urshifu, and I was like, "Oh, this will be free." I was like, "It's Urshifu." This <laughs> is like I'm so excited to finally hit an Urshifu, and I almost get rocked twice in a row. I was like, "This is not a free matchup." What? And oh, he was so smart, and that was probably my best opponent all day, and he should have beat me a thousand times over. And I feel so bad because I he I just like. I played like garbage, but so they were so smart against the like Urshifu playing water energy is the hardest Urshifu for women's got to deal with because what they will do is they will hit you with 90 for with a Hoopa. Mm-hmm. They'll go, they'll choose to go second, they'll get out four Sobble, and then they'll chain their Drizziles. So they will Drizzle for level ball or Evo Incense and put another Drizzle down and get at least like two or three Drizzles. Drizzles out because you'll knock out the Sobble. And then they'll go in with the Hoopa and they hit you for 90. And then even if you boss, they guarantee themselves an Aqua Bullet the next turn. Um, so you either knock out the Hoopa or you boss of a Drizzle or do whatever. And then they have an Aqua Bullet. So then they Aqua Bullet you for 140. And what Nico's doing is he would have the Aqua Bullet and he put a Quick Shooting on the bench as well. So he would go. Aqua Bullet, and I'm at 200 and, um, 120, sorry. So that would Aqua yeah. Bullet, I have 210 on me. Quick Shooting, I have 230 on me. So now I either hit the Italian for 140, not knock it out, mm-hmm. and then they can go Boss, Aqua Bullet, put 120 on your next Whimsicott, and do 20 to the bench, or Quick Shooting you. And, and they they can quick shooting and not turn on your exp share because it's not getting knocked out from damage from an attack. Oh, that's which gross. is like <laughs> super annoying. So then you can do that, or you can fluff ball star them. So what I did, like a dummy, is I hammered <laughs> off the water energy and fluff ball started the quick shooting, and then he went metacham attached <laughs> rapid strike energy because the energy I fluff ball starred and then yoga looped me and start to set up a an Urshifu play for game and I was like oh my gosh 
I was like, this is <laughs> like this obviously is working way harder than I am. Just like, oh yeah, trick win bird. <laughs> um, you know, they're like going through these crazy plays. I was like, okay. Um, but it came game one came down to. I think they got they retrieved for the water energy back, or he like courted and was gonna aqua bullet me for game. I had like 140 on me, and he had two prizes left, mm-hmm. and I had two hammers left, and one of them was heads, and I hammered off the water energy, and he could not attack me anymore. Um, and then I had one prize left, um, and then I think I marnied that turn as well, and so he couldn't get the the um, Maltres out either, and so easy, um, yeah. Because they'll maltrace you too. They'll maltrace and one shot you when mm-hmm. you have one prize left. Um, so we won that one very luckily. And then game two, it came down to he actually had the game and messed it up, unfortunately. And he told me about it, and it was 100% correct because he was, it was almost time. So we were going to tie. And, and um, he um, basically needed to promote, he needed to aqua bullet for the game. Um, I'm sorry. This was the game that I had the um the 120 left. Um, but he needed to aqua bullet for the first game. Was hammered off the energy because he also needed to attack. But um, he needed to aqua bullet and had a rapid check waters in play, but promoted a he needed to promote the artillery, let it get knocked out, or just like retreat it next turn to aqua bullet me. But what he had to do was promote a Drizzile, and then to attack me and get me enough damage in range of an Aqua Bullet, scoop up net the Drizzile, and then couldn't evolve any other Sobbles. So he had no Aqua, he had no aqua Bullet the next turn. Um, whereas if he had promoted two turns prior um, an Octillery and let that get knocked out, instead of whatever I had knocked out before, he would have been able to evolve into the Aqua Bullet. And so um, I had won that game by like the skin of my teeth, by no merit of my own. Um, so then we're we six take one. those. It's still a dub. Yeah, we take those. <laughs> we take those. Um, so it was six one. Hit Pablo. I really wanted to actually play it out, but Pablo was like, "Oh, you know, we should definitely ID. Like, we'll both be guaranteed." And I was like, "Well, what are the odds, really, of us? You know, both. You know, one of us losing and then getting down paired." And he's like, "Oh, you know, like you're probably guaranteed for like the stipend and just like you should <laughs> definitely ID." And um, I like Pablo a lot, and I was like, "Um." Yeah, you know, I, that's fine. Like, I, you know, I'll just take a break for a little bit. And so we ID'd. I'll just, I'll just win my last one. It's fine. I'll go 711. Um, so we ID'd and we chatted for a little bit and we had a good time. And then um, we, uh, next round is when I hit, um, I think that was when I hit Kim Pobega playing Mew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my only opponent that didn't make day two up until this point was the Lucario RCS player. Um, and then um, I, play them it was actually like a super close game i think they played the one basic psychic mm-hmm. um with a quarter i um i don't think they played court they played tower of darkness i think all okay. the italian players were playing three tower of darkness and court and um so it was or three tower of darkness and one psychic um so we fit, we win the first or i win the first game and i think they win the second game or or vice versa um, we're one and one and it goes to the last game, and you know I'm getting set up, um, and I'm like poised to win the game for sure with the fluffball star on me for three prizes, or I had one prize left, um, and I'm poised to win the game. I have like three cards in deck because I had to like Avery to dig for a really crucial fan or hammer or something for on their psychic energy so they couldn't win, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> they go, <laughs> they go. Um, boss's orders on your barrel, and I'm out of air balloon. I have a bunch of energy left, so I'm like DCE harder treat the barrel. And they go boss's orders on your barrel. I'm like DCE DCE harder treat the barrel. Attack again. Um, and then they go. I attach base the boss's orders a third time. They use their third boss, and I have like. Almost no cards in deck. I have like two cards in deck. So I'm like, oh crap. Attach basic psychic, pass. The lock's broken. Okay. And I um they don't know this, but my last psychic is my last prize. <laughs> oh, so no. I actually like the time I, I think I do have one more psychic. Um for my last DCE is my last prize. Because mm-hmm. I think they thought I might have a way to retreat. Or my air balloons prize or something like that. 
Yeah, it's um, something where if they check your discard pile, they're like, yeah, the they doesn't add up. There's something. Yeah. Um, so I attach basic psychic. And I what would happen is that actually if I draw into my basic psychic and hard retreat, um I had two more attacks, but I only had one card in deck. So like if they had done nothing, like I would have lost the game. But obviously not knowing that, looking at my discard pile, because mm-hmm. my last prize is either my air balloon or something silly like that. Um or my I mean it was like my rod or wait, it's some something like relevant. Um so they bench pass and play, and they're digging for I forget what they're digging for. They're digging. They're trying to boss the other um, Bidoof. Four That's boss. What it was. They have pal pads, so they have five uh, boss accessible. Okay. So they what they do because I will. I need two two attacks to win, or I'm gonna deck regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they um, put Pumpkaboo into play to get rid of Path to the Peak to start drawing, so they can pal pad boss my Bidoof and put it there for game because I'm out of of energy because mm-hmm. i can just attach a basic psychic to the um the barrel and retreat and so they bounce pad draw into it and they they whiff they hit the pow pad too late so they pow pad um put the boss in but they have no draw left mm-hmm. and so then because they did that i like draw my last card and then just go attach psychic retreat fluff ball start the pump boo for my last prize and they like <laughs> and i was like when as soon as they put it into play, I was it was I was like I was on cloud nine because I was just like okay we we did that we were gonna lose and now you know we got there so a lot of things went it. right for the me in this tournament it was actually crazy so we're seven one one um day two comes around round one I hit can I ask um, real quick about that in between day one to two how yeah, are you yeah. feeling do you do any research on what people are playing do you just go straight to bed are you out partying like the fluffy thing is there we're good exhausted so we we just uh we just got some food and 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 talked a little bit about some of the matchups i was a little worried i was a little shaken by the urshifu matchup honestly mm-hmm. i was like oh this isn't free i'm like i gotta figure out what to do against this yeah and so we talked about it a little bit we didn't test that much like i really did just want to you know food and go to sleep and so um we we talked about it back and forth finn and i because we're both in day two so we talked about it a little bit and then i was just looking at the pairings to see what my bracket looked like and it was a bunch of mew and then um, you could get up paired to the RCSB drill, um, which I didn't want to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there was the Sylveon deck, which was like, please give me that one. And, and then the Xander, um, or not Xander, the, um, the Sander and... Oh, the Umbreon. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah Stephen, the Umbreon deck. Yeah. Free, yeah, Stefan Erickson and, and, and Mies was also playing it, but he didn't make it too. Um that deck <laughs> i was like please i can please let me hit that silly on that deck so um get some rest going to day two first round up paired against arceon or arceus pedro um two owed super it's tough miserable matchup i assume they just beedrill beedrill yeah you can beat them but they like they play seven basics and court and rod and beedrill oh. it's just it's not a battle <laughs> yeah I was actually really close to winning one of the games, but I got sauced for sure. Um, <laughs> so then I was like, all right, 7-2-1. I was like, okay, well, you know, it's still good for me. I started out, you know, 7-1-1. I was fourth seed. This is comebackable. I was trying to figure out if I had to win three or win four and if I could just ID my last round. But I was like, let me just win three first. And so I then hit a player. Um, oh, I can't remember their name or where they're from. They're from... Um, Shucks, they're such a nice opponent. I, I'm, I feel so bad. But they're playing um, Arceus um, Intellion, I think. They may have, I know they're playing Arceus. I think they might have either been playing it with the Crobat VMAX or they're playing the Intellion version. Um, and that matchup's like really straightforward, actually. What you basically do is because they only play like six or seven energy, like five to seven energy, is they'll, even if they go first and they get an RCS off, what they do is they'll hit you and then charge up one on the bench. And mm-hmm. what you do is you go EXP share your bench Whimsicott, attach a second Psychic to active, and then you fluff ball star 220 on the bench RCS. And then that removes like half of their energy from the board. Yeah. And then their damage one, you either hit it already and it has 140 on it. Um, and then you just, you know, the, there's nothing they can really do. You go fan, fan the active, knock that the one out. And then they're just... Um, kind of stuck there they have to like hit another dce or if you can hammer off all their energy it's like really bad for them so you clear that energy off um 
and that pretty much like went to, to execution. Like I hit the fluffball star when I needed it to. I hit a ton of hammerheads in that matchup too. I think I hit like three hammerheads in the one <laughs> matchup, and it just like they couldn't get set up. Um, so that was like super great. Um, so the next round I hit Pablo. Um, so he's like two zero, and I'm one one on the day. So we're both like eight two and one. Um, and game one, I just get the lock going like super early. Um, and he can't really get set up. Game two, um, I think he beats me like pretty convincingly. He just gets like a perfect setup, and I stumble a little bit, and he just like head on prizes. He did a cool play. I think he, he um oh you know what he did? I um got my caught energy going second. He has no energy on board, and then turn two he goes like Starbird discard Melanie choice band um hit me for one ninety. And or hit me for two ten, and then I have nothing on board, and then I just couldn't climb back from that. And then game three, I just like path marking into a dead. <laughs> um, the best win condition right there. That was great. <laughs> um, so then I have one more round left to play, and it's against a Mew player. They're playing the same list as Kim Pobega. It was another Italian player. I think they're both playing the same deck, and mm-hmm. um, so one psychic and three Tower of Darkness, and um. I think they had one psychic, maybe not. Like now they had a fog crystal, and I don't know if the psychic was actually in there. I don't think I ever saw it. I think it, I can't remember. But regardless, with just the one psychic and no cord, it's like pretty much the same matchup. Yeah. Um. And game one, I think I think I hit sort of crowbat one of these games. So I think I I lose game one, and then I elect to go first game two, and you know set up everything, get the the whimsicott with the I have a perfect setup like whimsicott exp share, you know get the lock going, mm-hmm. pretty convincingly, and then like game three comes around and I'm just like I have got a dog hand <laughs> game three my winning in I was like. I was like, please. I was like, just let me just like, please somehow let my opponent have a dead hand. Let me like tweak <laughs> this out. Like, please just let something good happen. I really want this top eight so bad. I have to like start like lone Bidoof, like no basics in hand. My Bidoof is going to get donked. Um, And so I either put down a Whimsicott with no energy or I think I just like have lone Bidoof path pray no more like i just going first badoof path pray that was it like i was like i'm gonna lose here they get stuck with path they can't do anything nice they they don't have a great hand and they like they can't get out of the path they can't get the mellow it off and then turn two i draw into like the barrel or i i like i i think i hit a marnie and so then i like marnie them get women's cut down get an energy on it and then I was like, okay, hopefully that Marty didn't give them a hand they can get out of, and they're stuck again. And then I just get set up, and I was like, oh, let's. Go. I was like, I was like the cry. I was like, so as soon as I saw my opening hand, my heart like sank. But I just like the path. Thank God, stuck. And um, that was my yeah. So then I'm I'm nine or I'm ten to one, and then I'm nervous about my last round. I don't know if I have to win or ID or if I bubble out. And um, I hit Pedro, and we were talking about it before because I was like super nervous. And he's like, "No, bro, 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 look!" And he shows me the pairings, and it's like, "Yeah, it's clean gut, just ID me." And we're both in top eight, and uh, you know, then Pedro's like my boy too. So I was like, "Let's you're like 100 percent trust." You're like, "I know this, this is good." <laughs> yeah, so we're we're in top eight, and then we ID. It was super great. Um, they like had me fill out the sheet of my achievements, and everyone's like congratulating me, and people are like, "What is got?" Um, <laughs> so. I then I'm looking at top eight and I was actually still really nervous because I'd only played the Urshifu the one time and almost got sauced like really badly. So I'm yeah. like nervous for Urshifu and everyone on stream and everyone's like, oh, free matchup for Frank. The bracket looks amazing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, all right, just like I knew play toward play the water energy and like the American players didn't. And I knew Gustavo didn't, mm-hmm. but I, Gustavo played the Maltrace V. And so I had talked to Finn who had played a couple different versions of Urshifu um and i talked to iris who had lost to gustavo and so they were telling me a little bit about the matchup and like how it went and i was super nervous i was just like please don't let me hit toward and don't let me hit gustavo i think i can beat definitely please let me hit the sylveon i can beat <laughs> sylveon super confident i was like i can definitely i can probably beat the mew and i think the american players um they had like with um justin and, and isaiah like after watching finn's stream game against rahul i was pretty confident in that matchup as well mm-hmm. um because they, they didn't play the water energy and they didn't really Maltrace V or anything like that. And so, oh, okay. Um, and then I see round one, I have to play against um, 
tour. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is the last person in cut I wanted to hit. And I was I was so upset too because I like I really wanted the trophy. Like I so I have my one top eight and I have like a ninth place regional and like an eleventh place. And I was like, I've been so close. And I I have my top eight, like my mat and stuff like that from OCIC, but like I've never have I've seen people with their like trophy cases and like their mat. I, I want my so bad. <laughs> I was like I was like, just let me get an easy top eight, and then I do not care what happens after that if I get in the top eight. <laughs> and then I hit toward, and I was like, come on. Um, but I just sat down uh, to play against him, and I just like went into calm mode. I thought we were going to get streamed, too, and I get a little nervous on the stream sometimes still. Um, I mean, especially understandable. A player of that caliber, too, and, and so... Luckily, we didn't get streamed, and so I was like, oh, "Okay, that's this makes it a little better for me. Like, I can relax a little bit." And I just played like really, really, really smart Pokemon. Like, it, it felt really good to beat him, and I, I felt like I really earned it. Um, nice. I so it would have been a great stream match. It would have been good for sure. It would it would have been good for stream match for sure. I um really that matchup. It's just about utilizing your Marnie and boss at the right time. The Urshifu deck is really susceptible to Marnie, like super susceptible to Marnie because they just want to yes. build a big hand, right? And um, having three Marnie in the deck is great for me. And I knew that he was going to chain the Drizzles and try and get that Aquabolt play off. So I was really smart with like bossing up the Drizzles before they can evolve into Intellions. And so I left him with only one Drizzle, so he couldn't quick shooting plus Aquabolt and make these awkward plays. And I was like hammering off energy at the correct points. And then I really, I just hit all three of my Marnies at like the three perfect turns. It was beautiful. And so I just like marrying him out of plays. And so then game one was over. And then game two, uh, exact same thing. Game one, he started the Urshifu and I actually knocked it out. So I got a free two prizes pretty early. Um, but game two is the same thing. I was just marrying him out of these like Maltrace plays or these quick shooting plays or these, you know, Aqua Bullet plays. Um, and I, I had a really big Avery game two as well. I think I like Averyed um, a Drizzle plus something else like off the board that was kind of pivotal. Um, that is something else so that bodies I, that deck. <laughs> Yeah, I really just hit the right supporters at the right time and, and just, did, you know, played out my strategy. And then he, like, was going through his deck. I was, like, trying to think of all these plays he could make. And he's, like, looking through his deck, and I like, feel pretty good. And he's just, like, drops his cards and throws his hand out. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's got to be an amazing feeling. And so then, um, yeah, that was, like, a huge weight off my chest. I was like, oh, I got my trophy. I beat Tord. Like, people were like... <laughs> You know, people were pretty pretty impressed with that. Just the fact that I beat this, you know, high caliber player, and that felt really good. It was very validating for sure. Um, and then I was waiting for Pedro and um, was it Isaiah? I think Isaiah played Pedro or Justin played Pedro. One of the American players playing Arshifu. I think it was Justin Bukhari. And from what they were telling me is they felt pretty confident in our matchup, and I didn't think they had a great way of beating us. So. Um, I was a little nervous. I was definitely hoping to play Pedro because Pedro, was, like I said, a buddy of mine. He's talking to me. He's like, I have no idea what to do against your deck. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. he's, and like the Americans were like up the night before, like looked at my, they, you know, got my whole sixty, like practiced the matchup. They're up to like three a.m. from what I heard, like trying to figure it out. And so, um, I uh, I was excited to to play against Pedro too. And Pedro's a good buddy of mine. And so it was it was nice to, if we we're going to be on stream too that I had to play somebody that I'm just like really comfortable with you know oh for sure um it was it was a very lighthearted game and so um that match you can watch on stream you know exactly how it went and um and if you want to hear that, pedro's side everyone remember that was our last guest <laughs> if you're curious oh yeah, yeah um and then my favorite thing is when he put the the gossipler down and called for family for the the meta champ so i could fluff all start for the game and <laughs> end it in style and it was so much fun and then after that i just like could not believe that I was, in finals. I was like freaking out. I was like, I was like, did not plan to play on Sunday. I was like, I was actually really like planning to explore Germany and do some things. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh well, I'm one of the two players playing in the finals. That's crazy. Um, so then that night, I like needed you know Gustavo's list, and so I, I had a friend actually go through the whole stream and um got their exact sixty for me, and I was looking through it. And I was actually super confident in the matchup. I, I was like, this list is probably the best for my deck. All you have to do is like fluff ball star the Maltrays at the right time mm -hmm. and um, Marnie them out of these Maltrays, like the Maltrays V plays. And they only have three Pokemon that they can attack with. 
two their two Maltres and their Maltres V. And so I was like, this should be, you know, they have no Hoopa, no Metacham, no Aqua Bullet. So I was like, all right, this is gonna be so straightforward. This, this, I got this. Like, I'm gonna win this tournament. Like, this is my tournament. And then I just like <laughs> tail smash game yeah, one, <laughs> start, start Crobat game two into a dead hand, and I was just like, well. This is Gustavo's tournament, I guess, because it's <laughs> uh, unfortunate, no, but, but I, I couldn't be any happier with how things turned out. I'm glad that happened to me in the finals and then not like my winning into day two or like my winning into top. But, you know, like I'm glad that's when the deck decided to like clunk out on me was that that round. Oh, for sure. Second place at an international championship is nothing <laughs> to be sad about. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on the great run. Uh, I have a couple more questions real quick, if you're okay with yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So normally we're live on Twitch and chat is asking questions. They're not here today, but I have a couple that I know they're going to ask and I'm going to get angry DMs if I don't ask them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the first one is if you were to bring the deck to Indy or New Jersey or any other regional, are there any changes you would make based off the perceived meta or any changes after playing the deck where you're like, actually, this wasn't that good or you know anything like that? I think you can go down to one Avery. Two Avery was a little bit of overkill. It, it was good against Urshifu and it's good against Mew. It's mostly your harder matchups for like Suicune and Malamar. So you want to be able to Avery them multiple times, but I don't expect that many Malamar or Suicune in, in Indy. And like the Avery was like just an okay card. I think one is great, but two, I think it was a little much. So I would cut that for maybe just a Marnie because Marnie is like super strong in the deck and then or a, just a quick ball so you can get a little more consistent and get, you know, better Crobat searches and get your board set up a little bit better. Fourth quick ball would be good. And then Finn had talked to me about cutting a Bidu for a Mew. That's the the Celebrations Mew. I haven't tried it yet. I think it's a cool idea, though. It's, it's something I think is worth maybe testing out. Um, so that's another change that we wanted to make. Um but other than that, no, I think the deck's like the list is like really solid. I think you can maybe a choice belt might be good for the meta game because I think Mew is gonna be a little more um aggressive with their basic energies and mm-hmm. so having a choice belt and being able to like speed the game up by two shotting them might be a little good. Same thing with Urshifu, if they tech for you, you can just like one shot them with a choice belt. Um so I think if people are ready to play against it, you kind of want to be a little more aggressive. So I think fitting a choice belt in there somewhere is probably fine. I don't know what you'd cut for it though. Everything seems like really, good. really it's, everything in there is like really, really tight. Just play sixty-one really cards. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what you cut the Avery for. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I think those are the only changes I can really see. Some people wanted a Raihan, but again, you just never hit it at the right time. Just be smart about your exp shares and um and your energy attachments, and you should be good. Um. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. it it's, I like the list where it's at a lot now. If I were to play Indy, those would be maybe the only changes I make. Are you going to be at Indy, New Jersey? Oh, sorry, I'm going to play the deck in Indy, yeah. yeah. I'll be Indy, New Jersey, Vancouver, Wisconsin. I'm, I'll hit the rest of the, the tournaments. Oh, sick. Are you going for the day two? Yeah, yeah. So I'm 28th right now, or 24th or something like that. Oh, so nice. I'm in day two. Um, so I just need to keep that up, and if I can get the money as well for, for first through 16th, I'm going to try and do that as well. Oh, and that shouldn't be. Well, actually, that might be an issue. I guess I don't know. I, I think it shouldn't be an issue. And then I remembered the seniors that aged up and have like fifteen hundred CP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just depends. Like, like I said, I'm going to like a lot, the rest of the tournaments. I don't know who's going to what, but you know, regardless, I'm definitely going to try and get that day two, whether it's you know for a top thirty-two or top sixteen. Um, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the money would be nice, but I'm just going to do my best, and so we'll see where that gets me. I'll be rooting for you for sure. And the, uh, one more question. So we had this started ever since we had Natalie Miller on before mm-hmm. she won the thing. She said, oh, I have to before a tournament, I have to go eat banana bread at the specific place. And ever since then, we've been asking people, what are some of your superstitions or some of the things that you are like, I have to do this or I can't do this before a tournament? So do you have anything like that? Um. Advil, definitely have some ibuprofen on me at all times. That's 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 gonna be one for sure. I don't know if that's a superstition, just Just good life advice. Yeah. Um, and then I'm really particular about like 
my sleeves. I'm like, I need to like, I can't, I need at least like, I don't want like shoddy sleeves. Um, because like, obviously I don't, if I'm getting deck checked and my sleeves are all nicked up, I don't want anything bad to happen. But also, like, brand new sleeves. I haven't gotten, like, drawn some hands with them. I'm like, oh, are these, you know, are, do I, are they, I'm going to like these. And actually, you know, they ch- made me change my sleeves. I got a brand new set of sleeves, Dragon Shield, Black Mats for top, um, the, for the finals match. I changed them. I shuffled the deck. I went through them with the judge. I did, like, three or four test hands with them. And it felt good. And I was like, okay. And they do a deck check, and they're like, we need you to change your sleeves. And I was like, I, I didn't even play a game with these guys. I just put them <laughs> on. And so then they make me play with, like, white hyper mats, which I've never used those sleeves before particularly. And I was like, they felt fine. And then I dead drew in the finals, and I was like, no. <laughs> um, but that's definitely more of a superstition. I think I just um, I need to get a couple games in or a couple test hands or a good amount of shuffles in with the sleeves that I use before a tournament and I'm only use um either ultimate guard katanas or sometimes I'll use dragon shield masks. Um but those are the only sleeves that I use and I definitely will not do them like fresh. Like I need to like get a couple of riffles in with them for sure. I love the exact opposite of me. I will never my sleeves are fresh. Game one oh, shuffling really? up I've never touched those sleeves except sleeping. Oh up no I can't do that. <laughs> oh no nope. <laughs> Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any shout outs or if people want to find you, where can they find you? Yeah, um, follow me on Twitter at Steak Frank, like the meat and not the piece of wood. S-T-E-A-K-F-R-A-N-K, Steak Frank. Follow me on Twitter. Um, and then, yeah, just shout out to to Cyrus for working on the deck with me and shout out to Finn for playing with me and everyone in the hotel. Shout out to um stefan for like just like hanging out with me the whole weekend and just being you know a good friend and and you know really helping me out and getting me prepped for the tournament um as well as you know some of the other french, french players like fabian and, and hetty and um and thanks to just the community and just like the amazing response and all the love i've been getting i, I really appreciate that from everybody um and I, I just couldn't be more thankful for for how things turned out and you know how it's been since the tournament so I think yeah. the, the community is also thankful that we love to see some of the best members of the community doing well. So you being one of the people who does well is also just something that's like, oh, I can root so for nice. this person. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. I want to, we are still live technically, but I do want to call out the positive of your gender neutral pronoun use of your opponents that you may not have been sure of. So thank you for that too. Yeah, I know that's, that's super important to me actually. And, and I, I think definitely like inclusivity in the Pokemon community is a very like, male dominated field and so i think just you know being inclusive to to people who are are you know don't identify as male or female identifying or non-gender conforming or or people that are non-binary it's like super super important to me and i definitely like if if you're listening to this like you should also like make that a priority because it's really important for the community to to be like inclusive and be a welcoming space for everybody and that's something that i like really care about a lot so i appreciate you like recognizing that as well and i think that is the perfect spot to end it at This has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week. See ya.